Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Got some interesting and exciting news coming up with the ISO uh, recording this on Monday, August 16th for a release either today, the 16th or the 17th. We'll have another episode uh, later this week as we usually do with our twice a week releases. Beginning next week, we're going to go to a five times a week format. And with that, uh, we're going to have a lot of the same ideas. We are going to have guests, whether they're College coaches, maybe a college player, high school coaches, um, essentially experts in the field of sports will have probably two guests a week. We will start to begin having a mailbox episode once a week, uh, continuously get a number of questions, uh, whether it's through email at dickow at scorebooklive.com or through direct messages on social media platforms like Twitter or Instagram with a lot of, uh, you know, good, unique questions that I think would be great to answer. So we're going to do that. And then we'll have a couple uh, episodes a week similar to what this is. Um, I pick a topic and share my thoughts and my experiences on it. So without any more rambling to start today's episode, we're going to jump right into it. And uh, we're going to talk about today, the difference of NBA Summer League and how it is such a different game than college, as well as the difference between the NBA season and what players are truly looking at, what coaches and front offices are looking at in Summer League, and why sometimes guys that maybe score two points or three points um, and don't seem impressive to maybe the average fan end up with a training camp invite. So, There's a couple ways to look at Summer League and the value and the impact that it can have on careers, as I mentioned, both as players, coaches, and front office. And we'll we'll first start on the player side, obviously, because that's the one where most people are most interested. You're watching the games on NBA TV. You're watching the games on ESPN. um, And it's essentially – the NBA Summer League has become a big business. Uh, Warren Legary started the – Las Vegas NBA Summer League close to 20 years ago, um, and he's grown it into an enormous event where in a typical year, every single NBA team uh, takes part in it, um, and that's a huge undertaking. You're talking about um, you know, arranging and helping arrange travel arrangements for those 30 teams um, where there might be upwards of 40 or 50 people per team coming to those events. Uh, you're talking about securing uh, gym sites, which, yes, they're on the campus of, of 
UNLV, and it's one of the best colleges in the country with gym access. So you've got the main Thomas and Mack Center, and then you've got uh, two other auxiliary gyms where games are played, and then you've got probably five or six other courts on location on in the facility uh, where practices and shoot-arounds are are scheduled around. So it's a huge, enormous undertaking, something that uh, I've had a chance to be involved in a number of years once. Uh, well, actually as a player um, and then as a coach uh, a couple different times. So um, we'll just jump right into talking about the, the value of summer league for uh, – first we'll start with rookies. Um, there's so much excitement on – NBA draft night, and rightfully so. Players have worked their entire lives um, with that dream and goal of being in the NBA. And for many guys, it starts on draft night by hearing their name called. Um, but just because your name is not called doesn't mean you're not going to have an NBA future. You've seen plenty of guys um, you know, that, that have, have stuck with their, their goals, their dreams, their passions, and grinded it out and, and made a, a tremendous career out of it. I think the biggest example of that would be uh, somebody who I played NBA Summer League with in the summer of 2002 with the Atlanta Hawks is Udonis Haslam. He just signed a one-year contract to play his 19th season in the NBA, and I think that's a great example. You know, looking at at Udonis' example or his path, he went undrafted in uh, the 2002 NBA draft, um, but he played Summer League with, with us with the Atlanta Hawks. He was, quite frankly, from from what I remember, one of the best young big men in the Boston Summer League uh, because at that time the Vegas one wasn't up and running. Um, But he was one of the best. Uh, Unfortunately for him, Atlanta, we didn't have a roster spot. Our front office didn't have uh, any roster spots, in particular roster spots for for a young big man. So he went to France for a year, had had a really nice year. Then ended up coming back the next year and playing with and for Miami, which has now led to, as I mentioned, a 19-year NBA career. So the biggest part uh, for a young player, if you're not drafted, is just to to understand that's not the end of your career. Maybe that's the the thing that spurs you to work even harder. Um, But for rookies, what teams are looking for is how quickly are they able to translate what is being taught in a practice or shoot around situation or a film session and how quickly can they translate that into game action. You'll many times after, uh, before summer league games begin, you'll have a three or four day training camp and you'll have two practices a day and you'll have plenty of meetings, video sessions, uh, talks with coaches about what the expectations for you might be. Uh, many times the expectations for, um, a draft pick of that team um, can really defer whether it's a lottery pick, end of the first round, or a second round um, kind of pick because each organization is going to have their ideas what they want from a guy. Many times what you'll see is if it's a lottery pick, you know, the ball is just given to them. Uh, they want that player to be – just kind of immersed in the experience and they want to see how they react uh, to great plays. They want to see how they react to struggles. They want to see how they react to uh, maybe not having a couple plays called for them uh, by putting them in a different situation with different sets 
a few times down the floor. They want to see how they react to uh, uh, opponents maybe going at them. Um, it's just such a a different game than just looking at a box score at the end and saying, oh, you had 17 points, uh, five assists. If you're a guard, that's a great game. Or as a big, you you had nine rebounds, you really controlled the paint. That's a lot of times really not what they're they're looking at because if you're a high lottery pick, they have already spent countless hours scouting and evaluating and and looking at your game and figuring out the holes that you have and strengths that you have. And they're just really now wanting to get a better feel for maybe a little bit more of your personality and a little bit more of, of your kind of small details uh, of what is going to help you become a better player quicker. Cause that's essentially what it is for a lot of organizations how do I get my rookies and young players to become a better player quicker so that they can have um, an impact on our on our basketball team? So they're gonna you're gonna see a lot of that. Uh, the terminology is completely different from uh, most colleges to the NBA, uh, and with that, there's very few things that are different in in the game of basketball. Yeah, there's gonna be you know new sets or maybe some new uh, offensive schemes and concepts that come up every couple of years that become popular, but they've probably been run before. Uh, and they've probably been, you know, worked on, I guess, vetted, you could say in different ways, um, run in, in different ways, but the terminology becomes different. Um, the college to the pro game, and, and you have to pick up on that terminology quickly. Um, one thing that is so evident quickly in the NBA world is you, you're essentially speaking in another language. Uh, I went from a college program at Gonzaga that I, I, I knew we were taught a lot. We were taught a, a lot of high-level stuff. We had intense practices, film sessions, you name it. We, we, we covered all our bases. But once you get to the NBA, it's like drinking uh, water from a fire hose. There is so much information that's thrown at you. You might have as much information – um, in a four-day summer league training camp, uh, the amount of sets put in, the amount of quick hitters put in, the amount of uh, concepts, the defensive uh, rules that you're going to play by, baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds, two-for-one situations, um, you're probably going to go over as much in four days of an NBA summer league training camp as you would in about a month of uh, of college practice. And that's even coming from a good college program like a Gonzaga was. So you got to, you really got to adjust um, to the terminology and the approach. You also have to adjust to, to understanding of just how important understanding and knowing scouting reports and video are at the next level. Um, you, you, you wouldn't believe how much film is watched at the NBA level. It's mind boggling how much um, film is, is watched because you're a lot of times you're talking about programs, organizations, even in summer league that are very close in talent, very close in ability. Um, But you're looking for that one piece, that one little detail that can give you an edge. And so as a rookie, a lot of times you're really taught how to start watching, uh, watching video in summer league and you're taught how to really digest and look at a scouting report 
and, and see how it makes sense um, because those things are so important. You have to know each player's strengths and weaknesses in and out of the league. You have to know each team's strengths and weaknesses in and out of the league. And the summer league is a great setting for young rookies to really kind of dive in and, and start to learn what it, what it's all about. The other, the next level for players uh, that you're looking at um, is the young veterans. Um, and and what, by young veterans, I'm, I'm talking about not guys that have truly earned that second contract yet, but guys that are going into their second year, guys that are maybe going into their third year. For example, I played NBA Summer League uh, three years, twice with the Hawks and then once with, with the Portland Trailblazers um, heading into my third year. Um, and for a young veteran, it is so vital and so important because – you know, you're probably still playing summer league in your third year. Um, if you haven't cracked uh, a legitimate top seven rotation, you're probably playing summer league uh, going into your second year um, if you're not a starter uh, on your team. And so really what they're looking for and what you as a young player are looking for um, is to be able to show that the the coaching staff that you're with, that all of the things that has been worked on in practice, worked on pregame workouts, worked on in film session, all these things that you are finally getting a chance to play in a game setting where you're the one that needs to be in control and you're the one who needs to be making the right decisions. Uh, and, and the game is a lot of it. It will be the outcome of the game will be based upon how you execute your role and, and how you play within your role. Um, because many times these young veterans that I'm talking about, you know, you're, you're talking about the ninth, 10th, 11th guy on the team, you're going to play minutes here or there, but you're not having an impactful, um, you know, differentiating plays during the outcome of a game many times. And so they want to see how you've translated the skills that they've been working on, the th- things that they've placed an importance on. How are you going to continuously um, excel in those in a game setting. Um, you know, many of the times these young vets who are, are playing summer league, they have to, because they, they're, they're playing behind a set road, a set starter, and they're trying to prove to their organization. And quite frankly, the other 29 NBA teams that they are ready to make that next step as a, uh, as a contributing rotation player, or maybe make that step to a starter. Um, you know, in a lot of times, when I talk about the little details of the game, it takes a couple years to really change your game to fit the NBA mold, uh, unless you're, you know, one of the, the 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 rare guys who can step in and start from day one and really kind of lead a franchise. I'm talking guys like, you know, in recent years, Ja Morant or uh, Zion Williamson are two guys that come to mind. But it takes years to change the mindset of being the guy for pretty much probably your whole career from youth basketball through college, the ball's in your hand, the ball's in your hand. Well, now I'm in the NBA as a young player. The ball's not always in my hands. I'm a mover. I'm a spacer. I'm a quick decision guy. I'm a setup guy. If I'm a point guard, I'm a catch and shoot guy. I'm a rebounder, whatever it may be. And with all the the, the skills that I had mentioned that the coaching staff's going to work on, a lot of it is ment- mentality and approach to what 
your role it needs to be and how it needs to be done uh, in the minutes and opportunities you get. And so um, these are more examples and, and opportunities for young players to kind of prove that the things that have been worked on, the things that have been talking, been talked about, uh, are, are about to show um, you know that they're coming through, that they're going to work. The third level um, of, of players in NBA Summer League that it's a very important thing for is the overseas free agents or the other free agents that are maybe on the fringe of, of staying in the NBA. And you know when I when when I say a fringe guy in the NBA, it might be a guy who's played you know three, four, five years, and he's always kind of he's been good enough to play in the NBA and be on a roster. Uh, but he maybe hasn't been put in the right setting. He hasn't been put in. Uh, he hasn't been able to find the right team uh, where his skill set uh, blends and meshes really well with the team. And that's so important for a number of guys. I mean, you look at the NBA. There's 450, uh, essentially 450 contracts, true contracts. I'm not talking two ways and, and exhibit A's or wh- whatever those are right now. I'm talking true NBA contracts, and there are more than 450 players in the world that are good enough to play in that league. So many times it comes down to attitude, uh, opportunity. Do you fit what a, what a team really needs at that moment in time? Um, and a lot of that comes down to your agent, knowing the leagues in and outs rosters, wants and needs strengths and weaknesses. Um, and knowing what moves might be, happening on the trade and free agent front before they truly happen. Um, and so this this last little grouping of, of vets and overseas free agents, um, it's extremely important for a guy who knows they're not going to be on an NBA roster but wants to maybe be showcased or have enough good film to show European teams to, to get um, to a nice opportunity over there is to be on the right summer league team. And a great example that I have um, for this is that rookie uh, summer league that I mentioned where Udonis Haslam uh, was an undrafted guy with the Hawks. He didn't make the training camp roster because we didn't have, uh, there wasn't space. Uh, another guy on that team kind of really showed me what it was like to be a, a, a professional early on. And, and it was Lou Bullock. He played it at Michigan um, in, in the mid nineties. It was a tremendous shooter. One of the best shooters uh, in Big Ten history. Uh, his question was, was he a point guard? Was he a two guard? Because he was about 6'1", 6'2", um, which is, I think, why he never really got a true look at the NBA. But, you know, he was playing for some uh, some really high-level teams in the EuroLeague over in Europe. And he he was on our summer league team. And I remember having a conversation with him um, about, you know, European basketball versus NBA and, and, you know, what his thoughts were. And really, you know, his whole thing to go to summer league was I need to have a couple good games to be able to put on tape so that I get another opportunity at a great contract. And not only that, but he sprained his ankle in one of the games. And what we, what I learned from him early on, like I mentioned in the professionalism was he was round the clock treatment to get his body and his ankle right just to play our last two or three games in summer league that year um, because it was so important for him uh, to have viable tape to have good tape to sign a contract overseas 
if I remember correctly, he ended up getting a great contract. I believe it was in Spain in the ACB. I don't know if it was with uh, Real Madrid or with Barcelona, but that's a great example of, a, of an overseas free agent trying to find the right fit in a summer league to be able to kind of put their best foot forward and extend their career. You know, it's also very important for um, young coaches and young front front office, as well as, you know, veteran front office um, personnel um, for summer league. And I'll start with the coaches side. It's very important on the coaches side um, because it, it's a testing ground for young coaches um, to be put in a situation where um, you're giving input at timeouts, you're giving input at shoot-arounds, and you're running shoot-arounds a lot of times. You're giving input uh, during film sessions. You're giving input um, as the game is going on, maybe to the assistant that's one up uh, or to the head coach of summer league at that time. So it's a really good testing ground for young coaches. You will see um, a a lot of times um, people – young coaches that are maybe at the the college level or the high school level trying to break in at different opportunities, they will intern for NBA teams to work summer league. And so that's one reason if you watch the NBA summer league games right now, you'll still see just like in an NBA game, you'll see six or seven coaches on the bench. You know, you'll get your three or four in the front and two or three behind um, because these young coaches who know it's an opportunity uh, to develop relationships, to learn the game, um, to, to, to learn how to coach at that level and to coach in that style of game. It's important. But, you know, front offices, when they're looking at and, – and head coaches and established coaches, what they're looking for for young coaches um, in summer league is, is what type of input they give. How helpful are they? Do they go out of their way? Uh, are they clear in their message? Are they concise in their message? Do they deliver their message with confidence. I think that's one of the, the biggest things for young coaches that I've seen working with NBA players or, or even high level college players is you might have some great thoughts. You might have some great ideas, but how do you present it? Um, do you, are you clear with your message? Are you concise with your message? And are you confident with your message? Um, I think those three things are, are all very important and that's a great chance for young coaches to break in and, and test themselves and learn in those. But then on the other side for the coaches, a lot of times you're getting guys who have been an assistant coach in the NBA for quite a number of years who are preparing and trying to work to get their first opportunity uh, as a head coach in the NBA. And many times you get on the radar as a potential NBA head coach uh, by doing a great job in NBA Summer League. Uh, Eric Musselman is a a tremendous example. Um, I'll go back to that. 2002 NBA Summer League that I played with with the Hawks. Uh, Eric Musselman was the head coach of our Hawks Summer League team. We ended up winning the Boston Summer Pro League Pro League that year. Um, and about three weeks later, the Golden State Warriors hired him as their head coach. It was his first head coaching opportunity in the NBA. But when you look back at it all these years, there's a reason. There's reasons why he stood out in the Summer League's uh, setting. He was. Unbelievable prepared. He always had a clear message. He was uh, very concise with his message, when it, whether it was individual direction or team direction. And the last thing is, is he coached um, with a lot of confidence. And I think that's very important um, for, for young p- coaches to learn. 
And just as young players are learning in the NBA Summer League, young coaches are doing the same. Um, so a lot of times they're, they're the first-time head coaches. They're trying to prove that they're ready um, to be a real head coach at the NBA level. Uh, and then the, my, the, the, the front office uh, is another piece that is so overlooked. Um, the NBA, a lot of times, is relationship-driven as far as jobs and next opportunities, whether it's coaching, um, uh, but also in the front office. Uh, you will meet and see general managers, director of player personnel, every scout that you can imagine, whether it's a college scout, whether it's an overseas scout, whether it's an advanced scout. Um, all these guys will be at Summer League um, developing their network, developing their relationships, um, learning the game themselves, uh, in, in not kind of resting on, on who they know, what they know. I think a great example for me with this is when I coached with the Portland Trailblazers in Summer League and Summer League was wrapped up, kind of had you know some end of Summer League discussions with uh, one of their scouts at the time, Mike Bourne. He's still in the NBA right now. I believe he's with the Pacers, but I'm not sure. Uh, I should have checked. But Mike Bourne was, was one of my favorite guys in front office circles to, to talk to um, when I was still around the NBA daily because he loves the game more than anybody that I can quickly think of. I mean, he, he just knew the game in and out. He loved it. He talked about it. Um, but he shared with me what he would always do after summer league. And it literally started on the plane ride home or the next day. Um, so you're at all the games in summer league, you're watching. But when you're watching, a lot of times you're focused in on maybe one or two players on other teams that could be a viable free agent target down the road, or you're looking at um, your own team closely. How are your young guys are, you know, learning um, how they're adjusting to the NBA game and the NBA style. Um, but Mike had every single game on DVD. Now it's obviously in the cloud. It's on a server. But he would rewatch every single NBA Summer League game at least once. He said sometimes twice. And he would have a running uh, database on every single player. And I know that's not that, – that's, that, that's pretty normal. Um, every organization is going to have a database of every single player that is a possible player at that level. Um, but just the amount of care and detail that Mike went in – um, to create his his scouting reports and his knowledge of just how many players are out there and who are close to the NBA level or the NBA level uh, was, was very impressive. So, so there you have it. Quite a few thoughts on NBA Summer League, how it's structured, the value of it for players, the value of it for coaches, the value of it for front office personnel. Um, I'm going to get into another um, discussion in the next couple episodes about NBA Summer League versus what you're seeing a lot of times with these NBA pro-ams in different cities, whether it's Portland, Seattle, LA, New York, Chicago, Miami, um, because some guys have put up some ungodly numbers this summer. So we'll have another one where I break down the differences. But for SB Live Sports and the ISO, I'm Dan Dickow. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network 
for professors. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration. And Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.